This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning into the Down the Drive podcast. Mike Stein and Scotty Whitehouse, our instant reaction podcast to Cincinnati beating Tennessee on Wednesday night. Huge win. In my opinion, this is a season-saving victory. We'll see if it leads anywhere from here, and we'll see where this team goes. But I think after losing to, no disrespect, but after losing to Toothpaste U on Saturday, I think a lot of people were down, a lot of fighting amongst the fan base, a lot of negativity, and people weren't sure if, I mean, people weren't sure what was going to happen this week against two teams that made the tournament last year, and I think there was a complete lack of confidence in the fan base. So, Scotty, you were there. You're on your way back from the game. What's the conf- I think the I think you agree that the confidence level was low coming into tonight, but what was the buzz like during and then after this game? Yeah, and sorry for the quality, folks. We could not wait till I even got home to jump on this <laughs> podcast. I was like, "Hey, I'm driving home." Wife and I met up halfway because of work, and so I was like, "I'm driving halfway back to the house." Uh, in my car by myself. So it's like, Mike, call me. Let's get this going. So, um, you know, it's interesting. The vibe is, is, is something that you brought up and my wife and I were talking about that. So we got to the game about six thirties when I dropped her off and then I parked. Um, we got a two and a half year old. It's very cold outside here in good old Cincy. So she noticed that right when she got in, she was like, nobody was in line. She walked right on in. I got there right, walked right on in. I had no line, no security, nothing. We got up to our seats. We have the same seats every game and um, was not packed at all. And I thought, uh-oh, I knew it was going to be sold out, but I thought, uh-oh, the vibe is is that you know not a lot of fans are going to show up or they're going to show up late and go, you know, I'm just here to, you know, because it's on ESPN2 and it's a primetime game or whatever. But once the fans got there, it got real rowdy. Um, and so it was buzzing from, I would say, about 17 minutes in. Honestly, we got up 8 nothing. And it was really starting to get rowdy. And then once it started going back and forth, back and forth, it was, it was pretty good. Um, a lot of Tennessee fans there, I will say they were pretty quiet as they should be. I mean, they were pretty much losing most of the game. Um, there was a couple times they went up, but the Tennessee fans were pretty normal, pretty good. They didn't say much. Um, and you, the reason you couldn't hear them at all was because of how loud the UC fans were. Um, especially during some of those calls, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But, uh, uh, yeah, no, it was, uh, the, yeah, it was bad. But, uh, no, the, 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 the vibe, Lizzie told me, Lizzie's my wife said that was the loudest, most fun she's had at a Bearcats game in a long time. And that's mainly because it was just everybody was so gripped onto that game. And I appreciate that. That's what we need moving forward. So the, the buzz was great. It was. And it came across great on TV. And I appreciate it too, because it means that. Despite all this chatter and despite all the, the anger and the disappointment, especially after Saturday, people were still supportive and people still came out in hopes of, and honestly, to me, this was like one last shot. If they, if you lose tonight and then you lose on Saturday, it, it's pretty much a wrap. So I, I feel like this was people clinging to hope, clinging to that nine year tournament streak, hoping that this team can put it all together. And they did. I, I mean, I'm incredibly impressed. 
Uh, the 78 points, no team has cracked 70 points against Tennessee. This is a team that, that allows on average 55.3 points per game. So whatever the Bearcats did offensively, they were in total control against Tennessee. And I think the refs had a lot to do with the way that this game went. They influenced both teams. I mean, Lamont Turner had two fouls in the first two minutes. Obviously, Cumberland fouled out. I think Jared might have committed three and a half fouls. There was one definite foul in the first half. There's one debatable one late in the second. But, Jesus, I mean, the other three were all a joke. (laughs) And the refs, just in general, were a joke. Yeah, well, when Jaron goes out, my wife turns to me and she goes, well, at least, you know, because my wife played high school basketball, women's high school basketball. She was a stud. And uh, she said, well, you know, that means he was just very aggressive. And I said, well, maybe, but he only actually got two fouls. I was like, the other three were just not even close to being fouls. They weren't even, you know. So, uh, and that goes down to Teddy Valentine was atrocious and he's, he's been heavy. atrocious i mean it's so bad and my dad and this is give folks some ideas how long teddy's been around i know everybody knows this but my dad didn't believe me he said i thought he was dead i said no he's <laughs> still alive and he's ref he goes and again my dad went to iu he goes uh, i i watched teddy argue with bob knight back in the early 90s i said yep and he's still blowing calls now I mean, it was atrocious. There was one um, possession call where the ball goes out of bounds, clearly off Tennessee. And I didn't see this because I'm up in the stands, but I, I saw Keith Williams go over. And Keith Williams said something to Teddy, and Teddy's like starts patting his own his own chest going, yeah, it's my bad, it's my bad. And I'm like, oh, my God, if you're letting players – Tell you what to do. I mean, you're, you you gotta you gotta put the sneakers up, my friend. It's time to go. Those oh, calls was, were absolutely atrocious. Well, there was another one too. The ball went out of bounds under Cincinnati's basket, and you could tell he kind of just looked around, like, uh, I don't know, Tennessee ball. And even the announcers acknowledged it too. They're like, yeah, the refs are unsure of which way it's going, but apparently it's <laughs> Tennessee ball. They even acknowledged that. There's also another play in the first half. There was a 10-second call against Tennessee. Rick Barnes, I don't know if you saw Rick Barnes's face and his reaction. He completely exploded. That wasn't 10 seconds. I actually rewound it and watched it in slow motion. They got it across at 21. So oh, Barnes was okay. very justifiably upset. That was It was very, very close, but it, it wasn't. Yeah, I associate Teddy as like kind of the Lee Corso. They wheel him out and they're like, hey, he's still here. It's like, no, he's no. Cause like at one time, I think it was Chris Vote had a jump ball and it was clearly a jump ball, like correct call. And he is literally pointing like it was an out of bounds. You know, he's like, oh, it's Tennessee's possession. It was like, and the other rest had to come over and almost like, you're like, it's all right, old man. Like this one's a jump ball. Like, oh, okay. Like it's time for him to go. <laughs> Cause now remember, he also was refing against, uh, I believe it was against UNLV when we gave up that lead. Uh, yes. was it, yeah, with UNLV, yeah. And they called the, what was a three-pointer foul, which actually was a two-pointer, and Teddy blew that call too. So he, he needs to get the hell out of the 513. I don't know what he's <laughs> doing here, but it's time for him to go. Go, go anywhere else. Go actually stay in the 513. Go ref, uh, the Muskie games. That would be great. Let's just have him be over there. I just, I feel like, I mean, refs in every single sport at every single level suck, but I feel like it always comes back to hurt Cincinnati. So it's nice that the Bearcats were able to play well enough that they were able to overcome the refs. It was yeah. nice that they were able to hold on to a late lead. Um, I was watching with my wife, and she looks up, oh, it's a 10-point lead. They're going to win. I'm like, hi, you're new here, aren't you? There's still a minute 20. Sit down, relax, and 
we're going to, we're going to be here for a while, but yes, I like the way that they respond in certain situations. And I feel like we need to start with Jaron. There's a lot of different topics and directions we can go. I feel like we have to start with mm-hmm. the guy that we all thought was going to be a national all American. Who's been to be polite has been bad. I, I know he's been played with injuries and this and that, but I mean, what do you make of his performance overall? He obviously found out he was, Great in that five minute stretch that he played in the second half. Pretty bad in the first half. A lot of ill advised turnovers. I mean, his performance tonight and then just, I really like, what do we think about him this year in general? Like, where do we go from here with Jaron? I don't know. And I was just mentioning that <laughs> to actually had a Tennessee guy behind me who I was talking to and I, you know, I was asking about the team and I said, I said, the one thing we haven't had yet this year is a Jaron Cumberland game. Like, there's not been one. I mean, even today he had only like seven or eight points. I don't have the box score in front of me. I'm driving, but he, he had definitely ten points. Was, he had eight points, points during that go. like five minute stretch where yeah, he yeah. finally got off the bench. Finally uh, got and then off. Two yeah. points in the first half. So my thoughts with Jaron is his injury was a huge factor. I mean, he really, I, I, from what I heard, that the injury wasn't that big of a deal in the off season that he kind of milked it. But now I'm starting to think like, no, clearly he was definitely injured. He's not in basketball shape. That whole not in basketball shape, that's got to get out the window. I mean, it's we're in December, late December. It's time to be in shape, whatever that means. Having said that, he's also been hurt multiple times. I get that. And, you know, God bless him for being out there every single game and giving it all. I'm not saying that Jaron – I hate this. I'm going to go on a quick tangent here. The people on Twitter who were saying Jaron Cumberland does not care after the Cole Rain game – Get the hell out of here. I mean, that is ridiculous. The kid, yes, he's a senior. Yes, he's the star. Should he have known what the points are or what the time was on that game? Yeah, it was a mental mistake. God forbid you ever make a mental mistake. I guess you just don't care about whatever the hell you're doing. So that was BS, and I was super pissed about that. Having said that, I he is absolutely trying his hardest out there. I mean, he is Every time he goes in the lane, he's getting demolished by those defenders. The difference from last year to this year is this year he's not getting the calls. He's just not. Now he is, he's getting a lot of the calls on, on, on the dribble, but not on the drive. And I, and I think that eventually he will find that opening. But again, I just feel he can't, he hasn't seen the offense yet. I think everybody other than him and Chris McNeil, are the only two that just can't understand this offense. And it's just not – he gets it, but he's just not – he's about two seconds behind every single time. Uh, you know, it, last year it was the those ISO looks. It was him. That literally the offense was revolved around him. And so that offense moved at his pace. This year the offense is moving at its own offensive pace, and he is not keeping up with it. I, like I said, I think he's so close, and I think if – and this is an if, I'm not saying it will happen, it's an if it happens. If he can finally click on, this team has so much potential. So to end it with the whole Jaron thing, I just, I think he's just, just not, he's about two seconds below or two seconds behind and he's just not getting calls either. And his shot jump shot, his three points percentage, I don't know what the numbers are compared to last year, but it's probably about the same. I mean, everything's fine. He's just, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just been a really, really weird year for him. I will say this. I, to, and I've, I've said this for years now. He's, when he shoots from like 
five feet behind the line, I cringe every time. Uh, even, yeah. if, even when it goes in, I, I hate that shot. I prefer driving Jaron over shooting Jaron every mm-hmm. single time. And sure. he proved that in the second half. I mean, he gets to the basket. Right. He's not getting all the calls, but you know, he actually does hit free throws. He's one of the few on this team that does. God damn it, Keith Williams, who just cannot hit one for the life of him. He um, did have, Keith did have some couple ones at the end there, but yes. He went, he was three for six overall. So he did, yeah, he hit a couple at the end, but he also missed a couple at the end. Yeah, he did. And he, did. he was lucky he that Trey Scott got that offense, a, a clutch yes. offensive rebound. Um, yeah, I just, I prefer that Cumberland, cont- I mean, he, he shot one of five from three. I, I'm, I'll try and look at the percentages. I think they're way down, personally. Um, okay. But, yeah, I, I just, I prefer that he drives to the basket. I don't know what the problem is. I, nobody does. Does he not care? I, I agree that he obviously cares. But my question is, does he not care for Brandon? Like, is he going through, like, you know, he's still a kid. Is he going through this mood where, like, my coach left me? And I don't really like this coach. It's kind of like the Mighty Ducks, where like Charlie Conway didn't want to play for the new coach. He only wanted to play for Gordon Bombay. Like, is that what Jared's going through? Like, is he rebelling against Brandon? Like, look, obviously he didn't do what happened against Colgate on purpose, but to me, it's just mind boggling that an all American senior of this caliber could make a mistake like that. And because I, I don't of think that, he's rebelling. I don't think he's rebelling at no, all. No, not rebelling. I, I, I just. There's, I think there's something there. I'm not a body language expert at all. I, I personally, I think he's always had the same body language. I think he's always yeah. been like very kind of like lackadaisical, but like super locked in and focused. I still think he's locked in and focused. I, I, he's just not playing well, and I, I don't know what the issue is. I, he's definitely very injured. Um, I really wish that he had sat out a couple of games. I wish he maybe sat the UNLV game or even Colgate. I just. I, he needs to be 100% because the team goes eight deep and one of those eight is not good at all in Chris McNeil. So they're going to, they need him fully healthy for the next three months for conference play. And I don't, at this stage, you're not going to get a long enough break to get him fully healthy. Well, to finish, you know, the talk on Jaron is I will say this as well. The defensive schemes against UC every time is to win. Cumberland has the ball. You can tell every coach has said this. You're doubling up on him. And the second he drives a lane, we are clogging that lane. That was not the case last year. He does not have those open drives like he did last year. And I mean, it, it's showing. And I think the quote unquote doesn't care or the effort, the, he's not getting the success like he did last year. And so it's frustrating him. I mean, you think about it. Like, let's just say like, Hey, you're going to go play a year. And everything is going right for you. You're going to be the leading scorer. You're going to be the American all, All-American player. Everything's right. The next year, all defense is focused on just you. And they're going to say, if you're going to beat us, let the other team beat us. That's got to frustrate the hell out of you because that success, even though you're putting forth the exact amount of effort and inertia and you're trying to do everything you can to score, the defense is clogging the lane, doing whatever they can to keep you from scoring. You can guarantee that Tennessee looked, look and go, Hey, we held their best player to 10 points. They just, the other team beat us. And that's where it comes down to, he's got to understand like, and this is what I've always said from the very beginning of the season. This team is not going to be, I, I, I hated that whole, this team's success is based off Jaron. Never believed that. I never did because it's not going to be based off Jaron. It's going to be based off how well this team can adopt the new system. And when Jaron gets four fouls at the beginning of the second, half and he goes out 
What does this team not do? They don't fold. They, in fact, get uh, even gain more on a lead. So, I mean, I think, again, I don't believe this team's success is based off of Jaren. What I do say, though, is that if Jaren can understand the game and get a little bit better, this team has so much more potential than what it has now. Um, so it's only going to go up. I don't think Jaren's going to go down. I think he's he's hitting his floor right now. We haven't seen him come close to the ceiling, what he can do in this offense. Could come. Yeah. Hopefully it does. Yeah, know. my disappointment is that I thought that that Colgate ending was really going to resonate. That he was just going to, like, look himself in the mirror, lock in, and he's going to have – I've mentioned this before, this phrase. He's going to have that look in his eyes where, like, killer Jaren and – he did not come out like that at all. He played like that in, the, in those last five minutes. I mean, that he got mm-hmm. to the basket and he made some great plays. It was really fascinating to me that we were kind of going back and forth, kind of starting to fall behind a little bit at the end of the half. He comes out with the, whatever it was, the third foul, and we go on a 10-0 run without him. And then yeah. I, at some point in the second half, I'm wondering, like, do we bring him back in? Like, we're kind of hanging around. He comes back in and, he goes on his own little run and his own little tangent. So he hit a huge three to kind of put us up, and I, I don't think we ever lost the lead from that point. Obviously, we were able to hold on in the last two minutes without him. So, yeah, I mean, he's obviously a big part of this team. I do agree from the standpoint that we can win games without him. But there's one thing I wanted to ask you. I do have his numbers. I'll read them to you in a second. He has regressed significantly, by the way. But you mentioned yeah. Tennessee should be proud of themselves for successfully holding Cincinnati's best player to 10 points is what you said. So my question for you, is there going to be a point this is, or are we already there, where we're talking about Cincinnati's best player, and the answer isn't Jaron, and the answer is Keith Williams. Is that Has that crossed your mind? I mean, he is our best player right now. I mean, as far as statistics, I mean, as far as leadership, as far as understanding the offense. I mean, I said it uh, from the second game, maybe not the OSU game, but the, 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 the Drake game. He this offense is perfect for athletes like Keith. And I don't know if you saw on Twitter, um, but they did like the Gabe Mason. They had his stat, uh, his highlights. He looks just like Keith Williams. I mean, as far as the athleticism. And yeah, I mean, I am so in love with Keith Williams. I've been in love with Keith Williams. He's been my favorite player on the team. Even last year, I loved Keith Williams just because of his athleticism. I mean, you cannot make that up. Some of his drives and takes are ridiculous. And the amount of effort he's showing, I also have reports where back in the day, Keith Williams would get thrown out of practice all the time, like all the time, because he was just not understanding the offense, Mick hated him, like just whatever. Start of this year, he had a couple times where he just wasn't seeing it, and something's clicked. And now he's like the, one of the best practice, practice players. He's just plain outstanding. So do I see that happening in the future? Yeah, I do. I mean, I'm loving everything he's doing. Um, he's got a complete grasp of this game and this team. Um, and what else is there to say? I mean, he's just been fantastic and it is an absolute ball to watch him. And you know, it's going to be a special game when he wears his red shoes. There's only certain games he wears those <laughs> red shoes. Tonight he wore the red shoes and I was like, Oh. It's a Keith William game. Um, and although he wasn't a leading scorer, he had a lot to do. And, I mean, some of those takes, oh, my God, I'd love to have that athletic ability. Are you kidding um, me? My thoughts on Keith is the fact that this is a legitimate debate over who's the best player in the team is great because that means somebody else stepped up, and I think that was obviously a big question coming into the season. But the other thing with Keith is you always hear about these guys coming out of high school, their athleticism, their potential. I, 
I just I hate picking on Mick, but I feel like Mick held this kid back so much. You didn't really see this athleticism. You didn't see this offensive abilities. And, yeah, you've said it uh, every time we've talked about this. This offense is tailor-made for him, and you're really seeing his potential. His numbers are up across the board. It's not even the numbers. I forget the stats. You can just watch him, and you can see that he's doing so many little things that he wasn't doing the last couple of years. He's playing so well. I, I, I'm excited to see how he continues to progress throughout this season. And he's really he's going to be the man next year when both Cumberlands are gone and uh, when we lose uh, and Trey Scott also. So, yeah, I mean, this yeah. is going to be Williams' team. But I think I have a lot of confidence and optimism in this being his team in the future. Yeah, no, I think it will. And I think we've also seen what's going to happen after he leaves with Micah Adams-Wood stepping in. I mean, That's think of it. This freshman, this freshman is ridiculous. Coming in, scoring 11. I mean, and even John's like, hey, he even <laughs> he was on the radio after the game with Dan. He was like, this is just a freshman, folks. Like, he's got a lot to learn. He's going to make mistakes or whatever. But, my God, is he special, too. Um, and when we have flashes, for example, we go on 10-0 runs. Um, we, we get up big without Jaron, without, um, without Keith uh, or uh, Chris McNeil. Um, so even, I know Trey had a big part tonight. But this shows you, I, I keep saying this, our offense, when it's clicking, it's less about this team and more about what John is able to do as far as moving the ball. Just wait. And I'm not trying to say like, oh, let's diminish this team now, but let's wait till we get some of his own players in. And we have a full system. I mean, this is just going to be so continuously flowing. The passes are ridiculous. I love the, um, it, it run, this offense, although it's, it's, hey, we're looking for three-point shots. We're looking for a lot of, you know, fast-paced movement. It always comes down to one thing. Get the ball through the big man. And we, you know, I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts on Mike Adams Woods? Let's talk before we go big man. What's your thoughts on Maul? I, if, so you've talked before about your son and I know you're expecting again. I don't have a kid. If I did, my kid would be Mike Adams. I love him. I, I wish he was my kid. I, he's my favorite player in this team behind Keith. But I only love Keith because he's a New Yorker. Um, Mika is great. And I, <laughs> I love, I love the fact that Brandon inserted him into the starting lineup because you reward the guy that's clearly playing better. At this point, Chris McNeil really honestly brings nothing to the table. He brings that veteran leadership, but he can do that from the bench. He really has not been productive through the first 10 games. Um, he does do one thing at the games. He does one thing. Oh, sorry. I hit one of my son's toys. I'm home. At the games, he comes on the Jumbotron and tells us to let's go, and he claps his hands. <laughs> he's one you know, of those guys who does that. There was one. Adams Woods just does a lot of little things. He's very slippery on the court. There was, you know, he makes a lot of good passes, download a vote. But there was one play, and even the rest were like, or the announcers were blown away by it, where vote from on the top of the key, he threw a pass to the cutting Adams Woods. It's not supposed to be that way. You're not supposed to have the seven footer throwing the ball to the six foot guy down low, but he can, he can do everything. And he came right out with confidence at that first three. And I think the offense kind of, I like the way that the offense was flowing and the tempo that they were going when he was in the game. I know they're trying to get him and McNeil in the game at the same time, but as long as Adams Woods has the ball in his hands and the offense is running through him and through Jaron, I, I like the potential more of this offense. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. One thing I was thinking about with, with Maul, and it kind of goes to John, was that he's finally got him to start. You know, and, and yeah. John was sort of like, oh, you know, it's got to be the Keith show. Got to be, or not Keith, I keep saying Keith. It's got to be the Chris McNeil show, Chris McNeil show. He's running, running. Finally, John, I think, is also starting to understand Hey, you know what? It's, I gotta play the best players. I gotta, I gotta, I can't just rely on senior leadership. I, I'm so happy that he finally got the start. Um, and I'm excited to see what this kid can do for the next four years. I think he could have a potential to be top 10 plus player of all time there. I mean, if he just continues to just drive it, it's just unbelievable what he's able to do. Absolutely. And he's a guy that he fits the system. He fits what Brandon Wants to do it. You mentioned the system before, and I want to talk about the system and Brandon and comparing him to the old Cincinnati coach because that happened a lot on Saturday for Colgate. I know that you know losses to Colgate and Bowling Green are never acceptable. They're never okay, and I think it just it triggers fans. It tri- it makes people go into a dark place. I don't ever want to see anyone thinking that we're better off with Mick or that we should, like what would have happened if we had Mick would we have lost this game because remember Mick dear we went to the Sweet 16 lost to Presbyterian at home so mm-hmm. yes he's very vulnerable to lose games like that also look at our last three recruiting classes they're all terrible we yep. I mean there's a reason why this team why half this roster more than half this roster is transfers and freshmen it's because Mick did not leave a full roster for Brennan. And I think where Mick Cronin excelled in the past was he had players that fit his system. They weren't the highest ranked players. They weren't the most talented. But he maximized their potentials. He maximized guys like Nasir Brooks. And I mean, Trayvon Scott has really developed. But Trayvon Scott really grew into his own. And I don't know how good Justin Jennifer would have been on any other team. I mean, he was really impressive. He made these guys better. And I think what Brandon might be struggling with with some guys is these aren't his guys. And I know people hate that phrase, like his guys, but you can't just all of a sudden take somebody that doesn't do what you want them to do and make them better at basketball. I mean, he mm-hmm. he took what he has and he added the guys that he could. I think over time, guys like Adams Woods, Keith, Keith Williams obviously is an example of a perfect guy that's fitting his system. Harvey, um, you know, Mike Saunders in the future, the, the Madsen twins, fingers crossed, Harry Eason. He's going to get the guys that he wants that he, he knows that he can maximize the talents of those players because of the way that he coaches. If that all, if any of that makes sense. Oh yeah. And I think tonight he coached to win the game, not to coach his own system. Who didn't yeah. play today? Jeremiah Davenport, who didn't play today? Harvey. I mean, these are players who are typically in on certain possessions I'm like what the heck is that person in and he didn't he didn't play him so that's that's big time that that he's able to say hey you know I'm trusting in uh, my you only had eight guys that go I'm looking at the stats right now I'm I'm home by the way folks I did make it safely Um, but he 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 only start he only had five guys or eight guys go so 
I mean, again, I think that's showing that he's starting to understand this team. And I'm not saying, hey, don't ever put Harvey in. There, there are certain injuries and stuff you're going to have to do, but um, he's starting to see the rhythm and the teams that he needs, especially during crunch time. And one player that is finally back that's healthy that played unbelievable was Jay Sorolla. I love this guy. I love I love all our big men. And we'll get to Chris Bode at the end because he's uh, he was just unbelievable too. But Jay Sorolla, I mean – I, I, it does show what we could have had without, while he, cause he didn't play at all in, down in the Paradise Jam and he didn't play at all, uh, what well, he didn't play against UNLV, he didn't play against Vermont. So it's so refreshing to have him back and he is, um, he's talented, uh, four for four on the field, four rebounds. Um, I mean, that's, that's impressive for a guy who's just coming back. Um, again, from the, Hit, uh, Missouri Valley. I mean, conference. I mean, this is what John can do. So he finds the diamonds in the rough. Yeah, no, I did. I mean, Sorolla and Boat are, they're very similar players, which is great because there's not a whole lot of adjustments that need to be made when you swap them out. They're both, um, both good rebounders or at least they rebounded well tonight. We've, we've seen some fumbles in the past, but yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Sorolla four for four, Vote five for eight. I mean, these guys are hitting their shots. And, I mean, in the beginning, it was a struggle for vote against John Fulkerson, which was having his way. But I think they made adjustments throughout the game. I think Fulkerson hit his first five shots, and then he went one for three the rest of the way. So whatever adjustments wow. they made on him really worked. Uh, yeah, these, I mean, the bigs have been impressive. That, that was obviously a big concern coming into the season. I think Nasir Brooks was the one guy that a lot of people were disappointed that I was disappointed in that left as a transfer because I thought that left us thin at center. But... Vote, I mean, vote might be the team MVP right now. I don't think, I, we've said this before, I don't think anybody batted an eye when they found that he was going to be eligible this year. I don't think anybody cared. I don't think anybody thought that this guy would have an impact the way that he has. I was going to say, the most solid part of our team right now is our big men. And I would have never have said that at the beginning of the season. I would have said, well, our biggest hole is, you know, the front court. And that's complete opposite. You know, that's, that's our best part of our game right now is if Trey's going to play like he played today, Oh my gosh. And then you get Jay back. That's going to be the, literally, we're going to be looking so good, at least in that aspect moving forward. Um, yeah. Well, this was, I mean, this was 2018, 19 Trey. I mean, this was the Trey that I was hopeful we would get this season that we've, we've seen bits and pieces of, but yeah, this was last year's Trey. He was seven of 11 shooting. He had the seven rebounds, did some big shots. He terrifies me when he takes these perimeter shots with his <laughs> like, mid range jumpers. Um, but, but he's got, big... he's so long and so tall that it's not even really a shot. It's more of just a throw into the basket. I mean, he's got such length. I know. It works. It's so it, crazy. You know, it works. So I'm not mad, but it, 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 it still scares the hell out of me. Yeah. One thing that you said that does bother me though, and this is the thing with Jaron is this is why he needs to get healthy because I don't know if he's going to make it through this whole season and we're only playing eight guys and I don't think McNeil is very good. So we have seven quality players right now. At some point, you're going to need guys like Harvey and Davenport in conference play just to give you minutes, just to give mm-hmm. Jaron and Javin and Keith, just to give these guys a, a breather. And I, I don't even know if Mamadou Diara is still on the team. Um, yeah, I was going to say, we didn't see Mamadou at all. I um, haven't seen him in a while. He's going to transfer at the end of the season probably, but – just get, yeah. you gotta get these guys on the court. They gotta get more guys minutes, even if they're unproductive minutes, honestly, just to give these guys a breather because 
we're going to need all of these guys uh, come conference play. I mean, maybe, I don't know, ECU or uh, Tulsa or UConn, one of our, like, bad opponents. Maybe that's when you can get Harvey Davenport into the game. I don't know, but they're going to need experience at some point. Yeah, no, I do think, though, that it, it does show a little bit more signs that we did, uh, good signs that we did not have to use them tonight. You think that we're going to go up against you know, a pretty tough opponent, and we did not have to use the um, the minutes. We were able to with, and this is with Vote and Cumberland out for a majority, a, a good part of the um, second half. John did a did a thing, and I loved is he put Vote and Cumberland in pretty early, as far as I, I should say, pretty early in the second half after they've gotten their fourth foul. So they come out, and I thought we will not see Vote until. Four minutes left to go in this game, and we won't see Cumberland. But he put them out with like yes. I think like eight, nine minutes to go. He did and it I, at the under eight timeout. And what that shows me is that he had so much confidence in Sorolla and Scott that if vote were to get fouled, we're gonna be okay because of Sorolla and, and Scott. That was a huge like coaching moment. Well, I saw it. I was like, all right, this makes it. And the same with Cumberland. He puts Cumberland back in and. If they, they played as a, I never, I thought, oh God, please don't play like, you know, uh, unaggressive. Don't, please don't, you know, play weak because you don't want to draw that fifth foul. They went at it. There was a couple times I thought, oh, here comes the fifth foul and it wasn't yep. called. And I love that. I love that John has so much faith in his other players to say, all right, boys, go out, play your normal, normal basketball. God forbid you get a, uh, uh, your fifth foul, which Jaron did, we were able to survive. That was a huge coaching move, and I love that. Finally, like I said, John is starting to, like, understand what it's like to coach on the, the big boy stage. Yeah, and I, there's three elements of that. I mean, it's confidence in your own guys that they're not going to commit the fifth foul. Obviously, they did. So it's confidence in the in the backups that they can step up and handle it. And it's also telling your team, like, look, we're playing a win. I never I, – I hate this. I never understand why coaches wait so long why they pull them really quickly and why they wait so long to put them back in with two fouls or with, with four fouls in the end of a game. Just do it. Mm-hmm. If they foul out, they foul out. I mean, you got to have your best players on the court. And in that five-minute stretch, Darren was definitely the best player on the court. So to me, this is a season-saving win. I think it, it gives the team a nice boost. It gives the fans confidence. We absolutely desperately needed a signature non-conference win for the resume in March. This is a a legitimate quad one win. Tennessee is going to be a top 25 team or hover around for most of the season. So this is really significant. But yeah, I don't know if it's a game. I don't know if it's a season saving win. I still think we were going to be able to get in conference, but I I do agree. It is a huge win. It does. I think basically counter it. Uh, The Colgate game. I do not look at the Colgate game as a bad loss. I look at it as a stupid gimmicky, like wild, weird loss. I look at, well, the committee I, doesn't look at it that way. No, I know, but if from from my own <laughs> psyche, I don't look. I, I, the Colgate game is laughable. It's just like whatever. But um, go on. What were you going to say? I kind of cut you off there. No, my issue is look. Well, it's to me, it's season saving from the standpoint that like, okay, now you boost the resume. Now people are going to look at Cincinnati. And say, okay, this is this is the Cincinnati we're used to. If you go into conference play, you know, potentially worst case scenario would have been six and six. We're going to be dismissed, and at that point, you really have to win two or th- you, you only have, you can only lose two, maybe three games in conference play to make the tournament. And what would you have seen in the first two months that gave you the confidence that they could even do that? So now 
you have the confidence, you know that they can beat Iowa. They are capable of doing it. Whether they will or not, who knows. But the way that this team played tonight, they proved that they're capable of beating anybody in, in the in conference play come January. So, yeah, I mean, that's my question for you. Like, what does this win do for you? And what was your mindset before the game? Like, were we – because I, I posed this poll on Twitter. Like, is this team still a tournament team? Are they an NIT team? Is this a losing record, like, after Colgate? I mean, what did you think after Saturday was going to happen? And have your thoughts recalibrated at all? My thoughts haven't recalibrated on the team um, from a perspective of what the outcome of the season is going to be. I think it's very clear that we can win – any game we play, and this is not shocking, but we can also lose any game we play. There is not, for the rest of the season, there's not going to be a loss where I go, <gasps> I can't believe we lost to them. Maybe Tulane if at home, <laughs> but that would literally be it. Every single game, uh, do we play? I don't even think we play Tulane at home. I think we're at Tulane. But from here on out, there is every single game, I'm going to be, there's going to be a, oh, I'm not even, I'll, I'll turn it on. It works. We should crush them by 25. I'm not worried about that. No, no, I think every single game from here on out is I got to watch this. There's a chance it's going to be close. I don't care if it's ECU, Tulane, uh, anybody. It's going to be, be tight. What this game shows me is that we do have that talent that I believed we did. I hadn't seen it yet. It does give me a little bit more confidence or confidence. Um, going into conference play, like that's that, that, that word is used. I just did there. Um, moving forward, it is when it, we kind of talked about this at the beginning, at the end of the football season, survive in advance, baby. You just get the W's and you move on. Um, and I do still think we have a really good chance of winning the conference. Um, I'm not, not, not nothing's really changed because I knew we had the talent. It was more about, are we going to be able to put it together? Tonight showed, Hey, we're getting closer and closer and closer. So I'm, I'm hyped up. I really wasn't, that Colgate game did not, it did not diminish my thoughts on the team. I, like I said, I think it was just kind of a gimmicky thing. What say you on moving forward with the season and where you think we can go? By the way, quick, quick thing to answer your question. I do still think we make the tournament. I never thought we wouldn't make the tournament. I do think we make the tournament. Um, because I believe that we will win games in the conference. I just do. I think we're going to go, we might have like maybe three or four conference losses. That's it. I think, I think we, I think we do, I, I think we make the tournament just fine. I understand that the way we lost, I, I follow what you're saying. The way we lost to Colgate was gimmicky and fluky and stupid and shouldn't have happened. But what also shouldn't have happened was being in that position, being True. in a position where we're going point for point in the final couple of minutes. Just the way that we played against Colgate, I did not like the way that we played against Xavier. Uh, obviously going to overtime with UNLV, you know, the disaster that was the Paradise Jam. They just haven't done anything to date before tonight that gave me the confidence that said, yep, this is, you know, this is a team that they're going to play in March. Like, 100% confidence. It was hard to have that kind of confidence. And the way that they played tonight, though, really has me rethinking things. It's like, okay. Yeah, I mean, maybe Brandon can coach these guys. Maybe Trey Scott can refine himself, or maybe Jaron will turn around. Like maybe these things will start to happen. And I want to see what happens on Saturday against Iowa. I want to see if this was 
a fluke, an aberration tonight, or if this was a trend. We don't necessarily have to beat Iowa for me to remain positive, but I want to see them play a complete game at the very least. And I do want to beat Iowa because we need payback for last year. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, the thing with the conference play is that there's not really anybody scary in conference play. Memphis is pretty good. I know you were that high on them before the season, but they've been playing really well, and they'll actually have James Weissman back for the first game that we play with them. Beyond that, there's nothing, like, special about this conference this season. We can't – you said it perfectly. We can beat every team. And we can also lose to any team, including the Tulane's and, and Tulsa's and, and UConn's of the world. So, well, we're not going to lose to UConn. I'm just trying to make fun of them. But slumping them with Tulane and Tulsa, but we're not going to lose to them. But, yeah, I mean, you get the point. I, I do think they will be a tournament team. I'm, I'm still hesitant and skeptical because – I think at any point in time they can revert back to the Colgate game or the Bowling Green game or any of those games from the Paradise mm-hmm. game. So, I mean, that's my I think, fear with this team. I think there will be games like that where it's close, but the difference is, is, is it going to be gimmicky or are we going to just close it out like we should? Um, and then when we have games the opposite, I mean, we go into Houston and we have games like we did against Tennessee or we go in. It, so it, I think every single game, is going to be tight, um, but I, I, not not every game, but most of them are going to be very tight, um, and it's just a matter of the leadership. And I believe in this team. I haven't backed down. I, 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 like I text, I tweeted out, folks, you got to follow me. I'm, I'm I'm the greatest Twitter follow ever. I tweeted out just two at days ago at Scooter Booms. I said, I said, we're back after we got the. We haven't talked about the new AD. By the way, welcome John Cunningham. Really excited about having the new AD here. We've got unbelievable recruiting coming in, and I knew we were going to win today. I I called it on that Twitter. I said we're going to get a W on Wednesday night. This team is going to be fine, folks. Take a breath. Every single game. I'm a, I'm I, as you guys know, I'm an Indiana fan, uh, Hoosier fan as well. Um, two years ago, Indiana lost to Indiana State and Howard in the same season. Um, they didn't make the tournament, so just close your eyes on that. But they were terrible anyways. But it happens. Teams lose. The Colgate game was whatever. The Bowling Green game, that one, I'm more pissed off about that than the stupid Colgate game. I'm not worried about Colgate. That happens. Um, yeah, just, so, you just can't afford multiple. You can't, but I don't think we're going to have any more of those. I don't. Well, mainly because we don't have any, we don't have any more Colgate for <laughs> playing. But, um, I don't. I, I just, I believe in this team. I think we're going to go on a nice little run. We beat Iowa. I think that absolutely jump starts us into the conference play and watch us get like seven or eight conference wins immediately. Oh my God. Will this team be riding high? We could be ranked at, at the, getting towards the end of the conference if we start doing that. So, oh, if you be, I mean, if you beat Iowa, all bets are off on this team. I, I think at this point, I think the win against Tennessee was huge because the committee has proven that they care more about wins than they do losses. And beating Tennessee is going to prove to be a significant quad one win by March. And who knows? I mean, Colgate was a tournament team last year. I, I don't honestly know what Bowling Green has done this year. Uh, maybe these losses won't prove to be horrible losses yeah. by the end of the season. But, yeah, I think, I mean, winning the Iowa game would be special. It would really be a way for this team to – Head into conference play with momentum, but I had mentioned that it's a season saving win. And part of that is also like, it's the fan support because you said it, the fans were into it. They were crazy. And if you lose this game and then you lose to Iowa, your yeah. next game is on New Year's Day against Connecticut. You come into that game on a four game losing streak 
on New Year's Day. I mean, are you going to get 5,000 fans at that game? Like, now, to me, all right, you beat Tennessee if you lose Saturday. Eh, they went on the road on neutral sites. They played a tough team. Like, let's go. Like, we can still do this thing. You mm-hmm. have the fan support now. I, I think yeah. you have the fans rallying behind you. Win or lose on Saturday, I think people will be behind this team now heading into the conference play. Win or lose on Saturday, win or lose Saturday. Folks, after that game is over, hit the reset button. It's a whole new season. We had the first season. It's time for season number two, which is conference play. That is so important. Go to every single home game. I cannot stress this enough. We have to fill up that stadium. I don't care if it's a Tuesday night, nine o'clock, and again we're playing like a you know an ECU. We gotta have that fan support because ECU beat you, us last year. That's why yeah, I haven't. I, that's why I haven't been insulted them when I talk about the bottom teams. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is you could tell this team, even even John was so much more animated this game than any of the other home games because of how great that crowd was. And one thing I love that John did, this is so small, but I paid his details. It was a blackout. He wore the perfect, like, black suit, black tie. Like, he looked dope. He looked Who'd really good. Who'd think he was good. ready for a wedding? I don't know if I was a fan <laughs> of that look. I loved it. No, no, dude, I loved it. I was like, yeah, let's go. But one no, thing I'll say about Mick, Mick showed up for big games. Sometimes he wore a vest. He always had, like, the red tie with, like, the black that's, suit for the ESPN that's games. That's true. That's you know, true. He was a yeah. very good dresser. And for as much I, as I yeah. criticized Mick, he had great style. I'm still, George's still out on, on Brandon and his style. I, although I like the fact the assistants had the matching black suit, black tie look. That was yeah. interesting to me. No, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I guess final kind of thought on, on the season or whatever. If we beat Iowa, I think that this non-conference season, I'd give it a, I'd rate it like a, if we beat Iowa, I'd rate it like a, a C plus. If we lose to Iowa, I rate it a C minus. Um, but uh, we need to make a conference tournament or conference season an A plus. And we oh, can I'm- do that. And it's time to, we, we have the potential to do it. We just need everyone's support, everyone supporting this team. I couldn't disagree more. I think it's a B, a B, B, B plus if oh, you beat okay. Iowa. Um, okay. Look, you lose to Ohio State. They're, they've proven that they might be the best team in the country. Uh, the Xavier loss was bad, but I think most people expected that. Xavier is a good team. I, again, I think Tennessee's a really good team and we beat them. I, I think Iowa's a really good team. Colgate, at the end of the year, may end up being only one team from that league is going to make the tournament. So they have to win their conference tournament, but they may very well end up being a tournament team, which means the Bowling Green loss is a bad loss. I like the fact that we did beat Vermont. Yeah, I think if you go eight and four with, this is a really challenging schedule. We had one team with like a 300 RPI. We're used to playing five or six of those teams. So this was a really challenging non-conference schedule with a whole new team, a whole new system. If you want the conference play eight and four, I'd be pretty happy with that, to be honest. You've, you've convinced me because we did have the third toughest non-conference schedule in the country. Did we? You are right. Yeah, oh yeah. Wow. That was the stat. Oh, I remember so that gives... Matt Norlander from CBS, I think, was tweeting that before the season. Yes, yeah, so actually, you're right. You're right. We beat Iowa. You're right, folks. This is, I mean, makes it seem like it is. You're right. It's closer to like a B plus. I, I like that. I like that. It makes me feel <laughs> even better. Make me feel even better. I'm watching the game on Saturday night with my in-laws and Christmas time. So I really need a nice big win. Cause if they lose and I'm stuck with the in-laws, <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm, I'm just kidding. I love my family. If and they, what, they don't listen, but you mentioned it was nice to see John Cunningham at the game. One note on him. 
It's the second straight basketball game that he has won. He was still working at Minnesota over the weekend, obviously. He was at the game in Minnesota when the Gophers upset Ohio State. So, John, if you're listening to this, and I really hope you are, congrats on getting the job if you are listening. Come to every game because you're the good yes. old charm. Minnesota beat Ohio State. You beat a ranked Tennessee team. Show up in Chicago on Saturday. I'll pay for your flight. I probably don't need to. You probably have a budget for that. But keep showing up. And I think you did mention on the broadcast that he was going to show up to Birmingham. Um, Ooh, nice. Real quick, I, I, I'm miserable about this. I've written about it a hundred uh, times. I've tweeted about it a hundred times. I, I hate it. I despise it. Uh, it's the worst reward ever for this team, but. The good news is, and the good reward is that our recruiting class today is awesome. Uh, it's the best we've ever had, obviously. It's the best among group of five teams. And I think there's a handful of guys that can make an immediate impact in 2020. If it's not 2020, then by 2021, these guys are going to be on the field. Yeah. Three takeaways. One, AD hire. Love him from, and this is maybe ageist. I don't know if you want to say that. But I like that he's kind of a younger guy. He came out with his two little boys. They were so cute. His wife, it was a cute family. My wife said, this is great. This is what we need to keep Luke here. It's like, hey, and even John's got a young family. It's like, hey, let's the three of us. And even I don't know what Clark Hurd's family dynamic is. But long story short, it's like, let's keep this a family. Let's keep it younger. Let's grow old with this program. I, for some reason, it just did – and maybe I, I, I'm looking too, in, too much into it, but I just kind of got that vibe of like, hey, I'm going to connect with you. We both got kind of a younger family. Let's let's grow up here in Cincinnati. I really like that. They um, all have twins. I didn't yes. realize it until they talked about it on the broadcast. All three of them, Fickle, Brandon, and Cunningham, all have twins. And we're going to watch these twins play for UC because that's how long <laughs> these coaches are going to be here. I love well, let it. Me, let me answer this. You seem excited about Ryan Cunningham. Why? What, what makes you excited about – him taking this job well i look at memphis as a whole i mean or memphis minnesota as a whole from an athletic perspective i mean look at the football team they have a really good coach uh they hired what was it pj fleck right yeah yeah so that, that was a big hire and then um they got patino who's who's starting to get that basketball team rolling um minnesota or minnesota had a big win against louisville last year in the tournament um so you know, he, he's making good hires and that Minnesota has always been, yeah, kind of the bottom of the Big Ten as far as athletics, other than hockey. But it, it's it seems like he is made really good decisions since he's been there, and, and he's got some good hires and has done pretty well. So I'm excited for him to take this position here, and and it shows, hey, like he he looks at our program. And my wife said, you know, think about this. My wife said, why would he go to the Big Ten? And come to the ACC or AAC. I said, I don't know. She, my wife said, he understands that this is a better athletic program and what he's able to do with that. And he comes here. Who knows? I mean, I, I see a really bright future and that's a, my wife who doesn't know anything about it talking about it. So what are you? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I like it. If, if this is the guy that our administrators thought was the right guy, then sure. I honestly don't know. Seems like his background is in compliance. He's bounced around to a couple of different schools, had some great experience. I, it's so hard to judge these guys. I mean, I'm excited for it. I, I think he'll, I, I think he's going to be the right guy. I just, I see a lot of people questioning it. And my response to those people questioning it is, I thought Mike Boone was a shitty hire. Mike Boone was fired at Colorado. Why would we hire a retread that got fired? Um, 
I wasn't excited about that at all. So my boobs. Well, what makes a good athlete? This, and I don't know. Um, so this is an honest question. What the hell makes a good athletic director versus a bad athletic director? I would think that the, the, the good ones or the bad ones are the, who you hire and what is the state of your athletic program currently? Looks like Minnesota's doing pretty well. So how is that yeah. a bad hire? Well, I think that's part of the thing is right, right now, Cunningham's not being tasked with hiring any coaches. He's being tasked with keeping everybody in place. So if you do sure. that, you're, you're successful. To me, it's, yeah, it's continuing to build this athletic program. I mean, what do we need? I know football, more renovations are, are necessary. It's things like the locker room. They want like a full-time indoor facility. You make that happen and that's special. I mean, you, you know, you continue to increase the awareness and the funding of women's basketball and volleyball who, Jesus, I had an unbelievable, what a run. I, I can't believe I sat at home on a Friday night watching volleyball on my iPad. <laughs> that that um, was fun. That was, was a lot of fun. Unbelievable. I'm so into it. But yeah, I mean, it's just continuing to build the momentum and, and raising money and awareness in some of these smaller programs. To me, that's success at, at, at the Cincinnati level, at least. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm a little bit more optimistic on all those hires. I always, it doesn't matter who we hire. I'm like, all right, let's go. It's a new guy. Let's rally behind it. You know, it's welcome to the family, but maybe yet. Um, I had three takes. So that was number take. Number one was the AD. Take number two, the Birmingham Bowl. It sucks. It just is what it is. Uh, let's just go and absolutely destroy BC and just be done with this stupid season. <laughs> and not the season was stupid, but you know, it just, it sucks. Um, you know, Barstool Sports actually today, their, their serious radio was talking about the group of five versus the power five today. And they had a good take, which was, uh, the, their head college football guy, uh, Brendan, I don't know what his last name is, but he was talking about basically if the AAC, AAC and the Mountain West, these other teams continue to be really good. He sees a future in which it's no longer the power five, but it's the power six in the AACC or AACs in there. And he sees this happening and he says, just, you know, continuously win and maybe even expand a little bit more. And you guys, could, I see that too. It sucks. It just is what it is. Um, I, I keep praying every single day for the health of my family, for, um, you know, good grace and that they play the college football playoffs extend to eight is like my three prayers I, I pray every day i hate the college football playoffs it just sucks because i know that we will never have a chance it doesn't matter who it is from the aac we'll never have a chance to make it it's stupid um and my third take was the college football edits or whatever that twitter thing is that you retweeted was so cool to look oh, at well, it was idea. like it was like so if folks if you didn't see it, it's on twitter get on to the college football edits it was like 20, it was like the top 25 teams and what it would look like. It was it's like a 25. 24 teams. That's how they do it. And I didn't realize actually that FCS does 24 teams. I, I didn't like know top, that. The top, I guess, eight teams get a bye. So it's 16 teams play in the first round. And then those eight advance to play the top eight. And then you go from 16 and you go from there. I think I did that. Man, it's, right? but it's something yeah, along it's those lines. That's so how the FCS cool. does it. It's so cool. And, and somebody was like, Oh yeah, that'd be great. Let's just go through the gauntlet of, uh, Auburn and then Georgia. And I was like, yeah, who, who cares? Let's do it. Why not? It's better than playing BC in the Birmingham Bowl. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'd, rather, I'd, I'd rather lose to Auburn by four touchdowns, but have a chance to win the national title than play, than beat BC by four touchdowns. And absolutely. in a bowl game that the trophy is for a, it's, I think it's called the Vulcan statue and the guy's not wearing pants. So. 
Give me a four touchdown loss to Auburn over a pantsless jersey in the, or a pantsless trophy. In he does have it. He's got a good badonka donk. So we'll see. Let's try to get him in. I'll say this though, real quick. A caller called into the bar stool and it was so smart. It was so true. Think about this. This is the last thing I'm going to say about the college football stuff. Back in 2012, I believe it was New York Giants were like nine and seven. They barely got in the playoffs and then they wound up winning the Super Bowl and they beat the New England Patriots and won the championship. They only got in the playoffs because they won their division. Yep. And that's All what right. happened this year. I mean, maybe not, but like the Cowboys right. and the Eagles are going to be eight and eight, nine and seven, and they're right. going to have a chance to host a playoff game. So who knows? Right. It's the same. So, why, so when it comes to college football, if you want a true champion, have it be the conference champions get automatic bids. Let's do an 18 playoff. You can have uh, just do, 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 a, do the group of six. I mean, I would include the AC in there or ACC in there, but get everybody in there. And then you can have two or three, you know, wild cards, whatever you want to call it. I don't care how you do it, but get at least conference in there and have a true national champion. I I think it'd be brilliant. It'd be much watch television. Everyone's all about the money. Come on. You can't, you can't include one more game. Take a damn regular season game off and let's just play one more college football. I mean, oh my God, it'd be so great. Be so I agree. Great. I agree that they need to expand it, but the problem with expanding it and the problem with the inclusion of the group of five is like, where do you draw the line? They're going to add just one spot like they have now, which is frustrating because, you know, we both agree that Memphis is the best team and they probably are, but it's really, it sucks for Boise and Appalachian State. And you're, you mentioned like this whole big like divide and how much it sucks. And my biggest issue with bowl season, we can sit here and complain and bitch and moan about Cincinnati versus Boston College all day long. The truth is we lost the conference championship game and it is what it is. We controlled our mm-hmm. destiny to get to the Cotton Bowl. Boise State went 12 and 1. And as much as we all like to pick on them and their schedule, 12 and 1 conference champion is pretty damn impressive. And their reward is a bowl game that they've played in five times in the last nine years against a very mediocre 7-5 Pac-12 team. That sucks. And Appalachian State goes 12-1, their best season of all time, and they're playing the runner-ups from Conference USA, not even the Conference USA champions, not even a mediocre Power 5 team, the runner-ups from another group of five champions. I mean, that's in the same bowl that they played in last year. I mean, that really... That sucks. I, I hate that for App State. I, I hate it for Boise as much as we all want to pick on these schools and, and bash their schedules and talk about how the AAC is better. Those teams definitely deserve better. 100%. I agree, and I don't have an answer for that. But let me ask you this. If Memphis goes undefeated, are they in the playoffs? I mean, this year, no. because Exactly, right? So the answer is no. So and next year, it doesn't, Cincinnati does it, the answer is going to be no. They're not going to be in the playoffs. Because we're going to look at the non-conference schedules, and Cincinnati's toughest game is Nebraska. I mean, we, maybe Nebraska finally breaks out after 20 years. Who knows? But it's <laughs> but that's the point is that it, it sets up, at least in college basketball, you start every season, and you I don't care if you're Troy basketball. You have a chance to win the national championship. Cincinnati next year – has like the I they don't have a they don't have a chance like it's just not it sucks and they it's had just a chance this year if you run the they state, had a chance the, this year true, that's true that's true that's true Ohio State during the conversation 
That's true. But again, but, I mean, how many times are you going to play Ohio State? How many times are you going to play the number exactly, one team in the country? Exactly. You're not next year with Nebraska. Um, I don't know what I I'm don't know, just like, saying. CF or Memphis schedules look like, but but okay, let me ask this. It, 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 you, you, have, none of these teams can control their own destiny. It's happenstance we played Ohio State this year, which Ohio State, again, does not play in Cincinnati. And if they ever do, when they did back last time, it was at Paul Brown Stadium. It was basically an Ohio State home game. So it, what I'm saying is, is even the, next year, they, UC duck, cannot control their own destiny. They can go 12 and 0 and it does not matter. Too bad, boys. Way to go. Completely undefeated. You ain't have a chance to win the national. That sucks. Well, my I point is, yeah, no, I, I agree. But my point is you're saying that, and if they do expand the playoffs, then Cincinnati would be in the 12 and out. But then what do you do with an 11 and one app state or an 11 and And that's why I said I don't state? have, like, the, I don't have the answer for that. I don't. And it and sucks. Then, and I know that we don't care as long as Cincinnati gets to, we don't care. But the truth <laughs> yeah. is I'm a huge college football fan. So like I, I do kind of care. I want a system that like you just said for basketball, Troy has a chance to win the national championship. Like I want to see. Boise get their share. I don't think this Boise team is good. I want to see this Boise team play a good team to prove that they're not good. Or maybe they'll prove me wrong. I don't know. But I, I want to see it. Like, if these bowls are about ratings and money, Kentucky is playing Virginia Tech in the belt bowl. Who gives a crap about Kentucky, Virginia Tech in the belt bowl? I would 100% watch App State play Virginia Tech. I would love to see them play an eight-win ACC team in Charlotte. That would be awesome. I have no interest in watching Kentucky play Virginia Tech, though. And I would love to watch, like, they played Indiana. No. What? Who does Indiana play? Indiana plays Tennessee. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. You're right. You're right. The Gator Bowl. I was just talking about this with my friend the other day. Yeah. Huge spot for them. That's right. I forgot about that. That's that. I'm 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 pumped about that. Yeah. But no, I. They they get the night game, though. We get the three o'clock game when everybody in the city is at work. Unbelievable. But no, I, it, it, to, to, to kind of finish it off, and this is just because we root for the team we root for. We went to the school we went to. The reason I'm not as big of a college football fan is because of that exact reason. We have no chance. So why am I going to get so wrapped up in a game in which we lose to a temple or we lose to a whatever it is? And go, well, shoot, there goes our, our national championship. No, we never even had a chance. All it does is there goes our chance at a glorified New Year's Six Bowl, which honestly is just big for us. And whoever we're playing is disappointed that they're not even in the playoffs. So it sucks. It just, the whole thing sucks. Hopefully it expands. Hopefully they can figure out something and just be done with this. I love the four teams. I'm so glad they did it. But it's still not perfect. It's it's getting progress, but I think in twenty, thirty years, college football could be the biggest sporting thing. I think it overtakes NFL if it gets to eight teams and there's every single university has a shot. Give them a shot. That's all I'm asking is give everybody a fair shot. Somehow you gotta figure out a way to do that. Any given Sunday, any given Saturday. I mean, this it can happen. These upsets can happen. I, I hate the attitude that like Oh, if Memphis played LSU, they would get crushed. I mean, yeah, probably. But I don't know. What if Joe Burrow got hurt in the first play? What if yeah. Memphis returned the opening kick for a touchdown? I don't know. What if some crazy flukish stuff happened? They probably yeah. would get crushed. But, like, again, wouldn't you rather get crushed in the playoffs against LSU than win the Cotton every, Bowl? Every time. If, if, if I'd rather UCB a 
16 seed uh, play-in game and be in the <laughs> tournament than be in any other thing tournament. Well, now you're pushing. Now we have play-in games in the college football tournament. <laughs> now you're pushing. No, I'm talking about for college basketball. It doesn't matter. Oh, We're in the tournament. We have a chance. That's what I'm saying. I Every time, I, I just give me the chance. That's all let's I'm hope, asking. Let's hope we can be at least a 16 seed this year. Yeah. So you still have us. So you still have us. You have us in the tournament this year. In the I basketball do. tournament. I, I do. I do. I think we get in. Uh, I do think our seed, our, our seeding is still up in the air. It's so much. There's so much. As they say, there's a lot of ball to still be played. Um, but uh, I still think we make the tournament. That's just be, honestly the, the the conference isn't that great. Um, but that does put a lot more pressure on the games, which is you cannot afford to to lose. You cannot afford to lose some of these 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 middle tier middle to low tier. You have to win out. The only games you're allowed to lose come conference play is the Houston's, the Memphis's. You can maybe lose to a Wichita State, but that's about it. You're going to have to win every other game. Yeah, definitely. Um, and after, and after I believe, Iowa, it's, I believe it's, we are going to. I believe we're going to. And after Iowa, it's Connecticut, Tulane, Tulsa, UCF. So the schedule sets up nicely before we play mm-hmm. Memphis. So they have a chance mm-hmm. to go on a nice run. I just I want to see Keith play the way that he has. I want to see Jaron get back to Jaron. And I, I think you had mentioned this quote. I just saw one from Brandon before that he even said he hasn't coached the the real Jaron Cumberland yet. He's looking. He thinks it's coming. He's excited to coach the real Cumberland soon, but he's still waiting for that like healthy. Locked in, all-American Jaron Cumberland. I think he's coming soon. I predicted wrong. I said that he would be locked in tonight. I think the way that he was frustrated at that, at how his game ended with the fouling out. I think Saturday, he'll remember what happened last year to Iowa. I think he'll be locked in, and I think you'll see the old Jaron again. Twenty-two points, nine rebounds, four assists in a win over Iowa on Saturday. I love it. I love it. Let's go Bearcats. Get a nice win. Go into conference and, uh, yeah, enjoy, enjoy the, uh, enjoy those, the Christmas and holiday season and let's start January one, hit the reset button and let's go and win every freaking conference game. We have the talent to do it. We can, we have folks think about this. This is the last thing I'm going to say and I'm going (laughs) to shut it off to you, Mike. This is something really special. Not a lot of basketball teams can say this. We have the talent to go undefeated in conference play. That is so awesome to think about. And we have the possibility to do that. It's just about putting all the pieces together. We're so close. Every single game we can win. Go, we're going into every single basketball game is as winnable and we can do it. Let's rally around this team. Let's support this team and let's go Bearcats. There you go. There's your, your hot take prediction for the show. We're going to go undefeated in conference play. This will probably be the last podcast of the year, so happy holidays, happy new year to everybody. Bearcats play on January 2nd. UConn games on January 1st, so we'll probably talk again after that. But thank you all for listening. Follow us on social media, and go Bearcats.